means the unbelievable of God's word and believe in life. You know what you mean it is to take God's word as it is. Tongues and prophecy go hand This is Young Ecclesia Nation. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration. Pastor God bless you. And write everything down. Okay, so welcome again to another um, session of Diaconia, all right? Uh, I hope the audio is good. I hope you can hear me well. Um, okay, so today we're going to continue our teaching on following God's plan for your life, all right? We're going to continue on following God's plan for your life, all right? Last week, we said a bunch of things um, concerning God's plan, concerning leadings, so we're going to continue from there, right? Um, I think we spoke a lot about the fact that God's plan can be quite uncomfortable, all right? Um, that many times if you, if you choose to, um, if you choose the way you think God's plan is going to go, all right, you will most likely choose a rosy path, all right? But um, and many people feel like their problems end the moment they become Christians. Like, if I get born again, all my wala ends, I have money now, I'm enjoying life now and everything. But you see, anyone that tells you that is lying to you, because, <laughs> thank you, because if you look in scripture, you're going to see clearly. It's very, very clear. All right? You see clearly, someone like Paul, he, his life was good before he got saved. Once he got saved, his problems began officially. All right, beaten, stoned, different things. You say, ah, how come if if God, ah, no, 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 a good God would not want anything bad for my life. Yes, are you seeing that? But what he even wants that's better for you is that he wants you to be um, a part and parcel of the spreading of the gospel to other people. And therefore, if there are prices you have to pay and sacrifices you have to make for it to spread, it becomes a privilege for you to participate in that thing. So it's not God actually harming you, rather it's God giving you an inheritance. Are you seeing that? It's God giving you an inheritance. You see, your Christianity, if your Christianity is useless in the north, all right, the north of Nigeria, if your Christianity is useless in Sudan, if your Christianity is useless in where Boko Haram is, then your Christianity may not be Christianity. You may just be pampering your flesh. All right? Your Christianity should be useful both here where you, in quote, are not being persecuted and where persecution is plenty. Are you saying that? Like, it shouldn't, the temple should not change. If you go to the north and you see someone that is called a Christian, all right? Just you calling yourself a Christian is putting yourself in harm's way in many cases. Is to put yourself in harm's way in a bunch of cases. There are places you go and you call yourself a Christian. You're just you're just painting a target on your back. So <laughs> you ask yourself, what kind of Christianity is that over there? All right. And then you look at the one that we have over here, and then you know that there's something that may be wrong. Are you seeing that? We have to be ready. And let's even say something. Christian, if you check, Christianity is not just it's 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 you know how marriage you will say some stuff that we don't know what we're saying for richer for poorer in sickness and in health the dead those part right we say that in marriage but you know christianity is something like that when you're coming into you are getting to something like that all right um let me say this by the virtue of some certain places that you are practicing christianity automatically hardship there are certain hardships that will be for you 
For example, if you're in Mozambique with Heidebega, all right, where there's a lot of poverty all around you, just know that the conditions you will find yourself, most likely AC will not be blowing you. You will be faced with hardship left, right, center. Just by the virtue of the fact that you have been into that particular place. Are you seeing that? So there are some things that to trust God for self, you don't even have the option because of the fact that you are in a hostile environment or hostile terrain. Glory to Jesus. So God's plan can be uncomfortable, very, very uncomfortable. Um, but God's, um, we don't obey God because we want convenience. And behind every inconvenience, it doesn't mean there is convenience. Like if I, if I may put it that way, convenience is not an indication that God is in something. We can't use convenience to know that God is in something. Glory to Jesus. We can't we can't use convenience to know that God is inside something. All right. Um, the same way we can't use inconvenience. All right, to to say that God is not in something. I remember hearing the story of a certain minister who um has been in the north for many years, and in this air place where they've tried to kill him, tried to bomb him, tried to destroy, shoot shoot up his house and everything, but he's still there. So one MOG like that, you know, came to him and said, "One very well respected MOG came and said, Ah, Oga, what are you still doing in this place? Relocate and plant your church elsewhere." And he said, Ah. That God, I can't go anywhere. God said I should be here. The guy said, ah, with all these things that have happened to you, is that not an indication that God wants you out of this place? So that's a well-renowned minister, but the person is defining God's plan around convenience. Defining God's plan around what is sweet. <laughs> Are you with me? God's plan is not always sweet. Are you seeing that? In fact, let me even say this. If your life is always sweet and rosy, you get... It, it may be a very strong indication you're not in the will of God for your life. And when I say sweet and rosy, I mean that if, you know, there's some things you actually do for do because you're in the will of God that takes you out of comfort. I'll give you an example. Um, an example is if you find yourself, for example, um, if you find financially, for example, like if you are part of this ministry and you know the things that we do, all right, and the projects that we run consistently, and in any proper church or anything, at least, you will find that there are times when we are doing something that requires that we all combine our efforts, our energies together, our finances together to see that that thing comes to pass. And based on that particular thing, you just find out that, yes, you had like 200K in your account, 500K, you're comfortable. The next minute, you're in tears. And the Spirit of God has given you an instruction. And boom. It's empty. You have no cash. Yet, you are in the perfect will of God for your life. Are you seeing that? Yes. So, it now means you may have to go some few weeks, you know, or few, regardless or whatever, without having for a while. Then, God provides. God takes care of this. God takes care of that. But, that's the... That's the how I put it. That's the reality of life. It's it's not always going to be a bed of roses, and so we have to get this idea. You know, even there was a time in my life where there was this idea in my head of a ministry that oh, you know, you start out broke and struggling, and then you just keep going, going, then hustle, then you will not hammer. You will, you will make it. You know what I'm saying? As a minister, you will make it. God will do something, and you will make it. Um, but that's just nonsense. Are you with me? That's that's really nonsense. I will tell you what happens with ministers and why it seems as if ministers go on a trajectory where it looks like they are 
at the place whereby ah, it's like stuff is flowing. Well, it's quite simple, all right? As a minister of the gospel, you see, first of all, money. How does money work? How do you get money? Money comes by you giving value. So normally you get employed by giving your time in exchange for what? Yes, value. So your time is the value gives in exchange for money, right? So you give your time, which is value, and then you get money. That's how you do it. Um, for the minister of God, actually, it works in a similar manner. Well, that's why Paul will say that those who preach the gospel should live up the gospel. So we give our time and energy, and then what happens is that um, we get, um, what do you call it? We get, um, you know, how will I put it? People, you know, are, are blessed and then they bless God. Or if you develop a gift, for example, you can develop healing so much as a, as a minister. You develop it so strong or the prophetic or something. The time will come when that gift you've developed, you understand, a lot of people will now know you have developed that gift. And because you've developed it so much and so well, it will now be on demand. And when it's on demand like that, people usually, because those things have a way of opening the hearts of people, people will now, you know, want to also bless you because you are blessing them. And so imagine someone like Pastor Jerry is at this point who is serving a lot of people worldwide, you know, with you know, prayers and miracles and all that thing. Obviously, you know, that's how it looks like you get eventually. But the point is that you don't come into ministry looking for money. In fact, scriptures is replete with that. You don't, ministry is not that, oh, I'm here, then one day God will bless me. God will, that's not what ministry is for. Are you with me? Ministry, if you're there and there's an idea in your head that's one day, ah, you know, kind of one day, I know you say you make us proud. One day, I will hammer one day. No, 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 you're in the wrong place. Are you with me? And the wrong place because imagine you're here today, tomorrow. God says, Oh, yeah, pack your load, go somewhere. They go somewhere where they cannot pay you. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Yes, look at the Berean church, the Macedonian church. The Bible talks about Macedonian church, second Corinthians chapter 8. Macedonian church. The Bible says in their deep poverty. That means these guys are so broken. No matter how much of a blessing you are to them, these guys can't pay you. No matter how much of a healer you are to them, maybe they can bring fruit for you. Maybe they can bring semo for you. Maybe they can bring Gary and rice for you, but they can't give you money because they are so broke. So money should never be a, a requirement when it comes to serving God. <laughs> are you seeing that? Money should never be what a requirement. Aha. Uh-huh. Money should never be what a what requirement. So we spoke about running a race, the fact that every believer has a path, every believer has a race or a path set out for them, and the fact that we are all called to run on our own path. And you cannot win the race by running in someone else's lane. In fact, you get disqualified for doing that. Are you seeing that? We said that it's not, um, even if you run that milk team, you have to realize that running is not about who is how, how fast. It's about obeying God every single day. Are you seeing that? It's about obeying God per time. There's no competition. Glory to God. So, um, of course, Paul will say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. So we explained that. Just because you died doesn't mean you finished. <laughs> Glory to God. Just because you what you died doesn't mean you finished. Rather, you can actually die as you've not even started. So you know we when people die, we now put a oh no, um finished it. No, they didn't finish. many people didn't finish anything. Paul had not died yet. He said, I fought a good fight, I've finished, I've kept the faith. Now it's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In other words, He's saying, I finished, so it's laid off for me. I, I was listening to Pastor Tim recently, and he was saying that when we appear before Jesus, it's not going to be like um, an award show when it comes to rewards. It's meaning that the way you run here 
you will know whether you're going to have rewards and the kind of rewards in eternity. You will know. It's not going to be a surprise like BET or something. I just there and I say, and the winner is, you know, Tupac or Two Fists or whatever. Oh my, oh, oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Oh my God. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I never won souls on earth, but I didn't know. Wow. God is just so good. This is not his grace and mercy. That's nonsense. You you will know as you are living this earth, you will know whether there's anything for you. <laughs> you will know. Some people are just living to go and rest. That's all they are. Just, just, you are just come back home. Just come, you know, come back home. They're just living to go and rest. They, they know there's nothing. When they even enter, the, if you just stand at the gate, they just look you. Just enter. Just enter. They know there's nothing. There's no reward. And, you know, it's a dangerous thing to go in without reward, right? Because you see the regret in eternity is eternal. The pastor says that fire, they will wipe every tear from our eyes because the kind of crying you'll be crying out of regret. Do you know what it means for eternity to pass you by and then there is no reward? Like, because reward in eternity is a status. Are you seeing that? It's a status. All right. The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ. It's a status. So, in eternity, not everybody will be the same. Not everybody will rank the same. That's the truth. What you are doing in time now determines how you're attending. I know we say this a thousand times when we talk about this. We we say this 10,000 times, but you know if you believe it the way you run. Someone like Paul believed this thing that he would say, knowing therefore the terror of men of God with persuade men. So you see the way Paul is running. He tells you in um, this other text, he says, I don't run in a manner. He says, I run in a, I don't run like I'm beating the other. I'm not, I'm not running by chance. I'm not running in such a manner that maybe I'm running like in a way that I will win the prize. That's, you know, the way a, an athlete runs. If we say both years are gone, how does it take off? That way, that, that energy, that, that desperation is the way a sensible human being knowing the truth runs. You run with every single minute of your life in view that look there's a race there's a reward all right there's a and it matters because if if not that god love is the motive but god tells us there's rewards there's a status and so you have the opportunity to determine how that thing will come it's not by chance you won't go there and stumble into anything no glory to god glory to jesus all right so um now look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. All right. 2 Tim. 2 Tim 4, verse 7. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. All right. And henceforth live for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord will give me. Acts 13, 25. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sinners of whose I'm not worthy to untie. All right. Um, Then, of course, um, I think this should be Acts 20, verse 24. Acts 20, verse 24. This is Paul talking. He said, but I do not count my life of any value, nor any, or nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course 
and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So you will notice that for all of them finishing their course, whether it was John the Baptist, whether it was Peter, um, yeah, that was Paul, all right, to, to finish their course or finish their race, right? In fact, if you look at Jesus, Acts, uh, sorry, that should be John Z 70, when he will say, I finished the work you've given me. If you notice, all these guys will say they finished, they finished, they finished. They're not dead yet. Yet they finished, they finished, they finished. And if you look at what they are finishing, it's the work of ministry. It's service. All right? What they finished is the work of ministry. It's service. They're dealing with ministry. In other words, God is compelling us to serve the body of Christ, the church. In other words, your purpose is tied around the church. So anything, let me say this, anything you are doing in this life that is not tied to the purposes of the church, all right, which obviously has to do with the gospel, the Great Commission, you are just doing it in the sense that, yeah, you are just doing it, but it will have no reward or relevance before God. After when you go to the BT Awards, they don't award you for how nice your cap looks. Or they don't award you for how beautiful your hair looks. They award something specific. Are you with me? That's the same way life is. When it comes to this life, God is not going to be looking at everything. It's not everything you do. Say, Lord, ah, Lord, you have no idea. I was the best swimmer in my class. They don't care. See, Lord, you don't understand. I knew Buhari. I, I knew I knew Buhari's uncle. I, I knew, see, I, I, I was around when people were making this. They don't care. And the earlier we understand this thing, that there are many things that we do in this life that are actually like vapor or smoke. They won't be remembered. They won't matter. There's always this idea that must stick in your head. And you must reflect. You know, if a very healthy way of thinking is to think this way, you know, man, if he just died. Of course, yes, with long life, will I satisfy you. But ask yourself, ah, so if man die now, what will I tell Jesus? You know, once that thought comes into your head, it has a way of sobering you. Because we're there. Brr, this job, this job, this job. This this one, this one, this one. This, You know, there are so many things that we are pursuing that look as if they are the whole world until we bring in reality, which is that man will come on this planet. If I die now, what's going to happen? If I die now, what's going to matter? What's going to count? You know, if you understand that, you can just really simplify your life. Some of you are too busy. Life is full of too much. You know, there are too many things you are doing that you should, that, that are not bad, but they are taking priority. You are too busy with too many things and then you can't do the, the one that is most important. The one that matters the most, you can't do it. You're always giving yourself excuses. How that your work? Let's see. Let's all of you say that your work is your reason for not serving God. Work is your reason. Work, 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 work. If, if it's work, really, if you are going to die tomorrow, or let's say you have one week to die before you meet Jesus, are you telling me that you that job is going to be the issue? That your job, will that job be the issue? Is it, but it's just one week. Oh. <laughs> oh, so, so you know, because if you, if you die now, they will judge what you did between when you knew Christ and now. 
You understand? They will judge that period. If you live longer, they will judge the extra time. It just keeps stretching. They'll judge the extra time. So, <laughs> yeah. Would that job really? Yes. That, that your job that you want to carry on top of your head. Yes. Some people, that your relationship that wants, you want to die on top. Is that really what you're... Like, will those things matter? You know, uh, we're going to look at even my later now. Yeah, you're going to see, you don't say two shall become one. I hope you know before God is not true in the sense when you die, you will stand for yourself. The person will stand for himself. That's the truth. Everybody will stand for himself. Everyone will stand for himself. <laughs> Everyone will stand for himself. That's the truth. So, if you don't know anything about what the inward witness is, when it comes to God's plan and purpose for your life, it involves serving the body of Christ. It is he that is compelling you to serve the body of Christ. The race is a race to serve. It's a race to deny yourself of your own desires and convenience and convictions to do his own will. Christ will say, Lord, I have come the volume of the books as is written of me to do your will, O Lord. At Gethsemane, right? He says, Lord, if this cup can pass over, yet not my will, but yours be done. That is the language of ministry. Not what I want, Lord, but what you want. Not my will, but what? But yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but what? Yours be done. It's not what I want. Because we live human beings and what we want. Ha! It's not my will. Glory to God. That's why I like to say, you know, when people say, what's your plan? I, I think I have shared this in earlier. What's your plan for the next five years? The answer is what, is what God wants. For me, that's how I live my life. And if you check my closest friends, that's how they live their own lives too. You ask my friend, Pastor, what's your plan for the next five years? He'll just look at you and laugh. And he'll start telling you, giving you prophetic words that God has given him. That's the plan. It's true. That's the plan. So, if that plan involves going for masters, then no wahala. If that plan involves marriage, then no wahala. If that plan involves children, then no problem. If it doesn't involve, no wahala. You know, that's how you need to live your life as a human being. To live your life like that. It's like, is it in the plan? Yeah. Of course, I'm not saying you should not plan. I've said it before. If you plan, if you make plans, have the common sense to know how to pray so that as you pray, the Spirit of God is spend lots of time praying as you've made your plans so the Spirit of God can knock out what should not be there and add his own. And I know this, you know the one thing about the Spirit of God, sometimes the Spirit of God won't say anything about some of those plans. He won't say anything. He will leave it. Then it's now when you get to where the thing is doing, you know, so yeah, cancel this one. I remember Pastor David saying at the time how he had packed his bags, right? This is the first time, I think, I don't, well, according to his wife, maybe that was the first time they were traveling. Okay, she's one of telling the story. And they're going to the UK. And they've packed, you know, a lot of things. As they get to the airport, Pastor David just, you know, just stops. Just everybody back to the car. They've gotten to the airport. Though. So back to the car. Cancelled. And that's how the trip was cancelled. 
they bought tickets, visa, everything. Get to the airport, receives an instruction. Oh, yeah, back. I canceled the trip, said everybody back to the car. So that they can go home, no trip. But there's people that don't, that can't be, so, so ah, no. Some people, <laughs> some, some, some people, that's, that's going to be the death of them because they cannot put pleasure or behind God. They, pleasure always comes before spiritual things. Pleasure. Yes, now. Some people in the bid to get rich, you know, Paul will say they've made, they made a shipwreck of their faith. They've, they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. Many people have hindered their progress in Christ because of money. Many people have hindered their progress in Christ because of going abroad. Is there any magic in going abroad? Is it that the streets of abroad are Is it gold? Do they pick up gold on the streets? My pastor would even say that fun of all that people are running out of the country, that the Lebanese and the Chinese are all are coming to Nigeria every single day, which is quite interesting. While well, you are running away because you think things are hard, they are coming in. Why? Because they understand how wealth, wealth is made. Wealth is created. You create it by solving problems. And if you check our country, the amount of problems, you know, are abundant. Glory to Jesus. Abundant. <laughs> the problems are abundant. You know? But the, 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 the point of it is that people have, because of going abroad, there are people that have literally mortgaged their destiny in Christ because of going abroad. Like now, everyone, jackpa, 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 jackpa. You too, you want to, by all means, your friends are packing, people are getting out, people are, you know, they're like, guy, we later, 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 later. Ah, everyone, status the change, status the change. Next thing, someone's here, next thing, bah, Dubai. Someone's here, next thing, UK. UK is the hot one now. UK, UK. So that person, masters, can't, everybody, bah, 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 bah. you too, if something is doing you. Ah. Me to a man, man, gas, jackpot, man, gas, man, gas, jackpot, man. Something is doing you to, to jackpot too. <laughs> Something is, I guess you, you are feeling irritated being in the country. As you're just irritated. When you think about Nigeria, you just weep. My friend, stop being faithful. Did they send you to jackpot? If they did, sit down here. It's true. There, there are people I know that this jackpot issue has killed them. As I'm talking, there's someone in my head. This, but I know you are not supposed to go anywhere. You too, you know you should not go anywhere. But because, you know, there's this, I, I can't, will I not? <laughs> and that person is supposed to be a short trip. In my own opinion, that person is back living. I know, let me even say this. Backsliding, you can be going to church and be backsliding. The metric by which we know you are backsliding is not that you attended the service or gathering of the saints. You can attend and shout glory. You, you can do what you can dance everything. No, the, the point is your life. Check your prayer life. You can't remember the last time you prayed a full hour or 30 minutes. Because why? You're always working. 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 You're always going to class. Can't remember the last time you prayed. You can't remember the last time you started doing word. You can't remember the last time you listened to the word of you can't remember. You now check sin is now becoming stronger in your life. The desire to live, you know, sinfully is coming. All those uh, addictions and habits that have died in Christ, they have now resurrected. They've come back from the dead. They are very much awake now. Masturbation is back. Pornography is back on the loose. 
All those things that you gave to Jesus, you have to collect them back. Yet, you are shouting glory, but because you make a, made a stupid decision, because, you see, how can everybody's jackpine? How can I be here when all my people are jackpine? Even your own daddy has jackpot too. Everybody, <laughs> these days, I even read, oh, I just read one today, where the parents actually jackpot and left the kids. <laughs> Literally, they compensated them by sending them plenty money. But they jack. I read it today. I saw it on the news today. They literally jackpot father and husband and wife jackpot left three kids. They're sending plenty of money. So those ones were. But the, imagine the girl writing said she had to grow up. She had to. She had to grow up and be a mother to her two brothers. I, imagine that kind of madness, you know. That's the jackpot left. Then they're giving them money. Then they said they now told the girl herself to that she has to process her own jackpot into, but she, but you know, they were now being very spiritual, but don't tell anybody. She couldn't even tell her own brothers, and that's how the sister to jackpot and left two boys. I, I, I am not making this stuff up. Two boys, the parents were responsible for jackpot the sister because you have to be 18 to enter school there. So the boys are now up to 18. So the girl was 18. They jackpot the girl to go and join there. Then these other ones. And I'm like, even parents are insane. Even parents are insane. There's one, there's one lady. I, I like to mention her own case. One, one, one lady. Her own case. This is someone that has finished school. And then I think maybe finished NYSC. And then is, is I mean, baby girl. Next thing, she decides to get serious with God. And then she's supposed to go abroad and stay with some family and do masters there and then walk there and live there. And then the next thing is that the Spirit of God says to this particular individual that he wants her to go back to one, one school like this, one Okokomaiko school and go and preach the gospel. And that's where he wants this lady to stay. And of course, in this case, First of all, it broke the person's heart, but the whole family rose to fight this person's decision. Yeah, because we are more concerned about the flesh. We're not, see, no, people are not thinking about God. People are not thinking about the gospel. People don't care. He can go to hell for all he cares. They don't care about the gospel. What's their, what's their business? What's their business? You know, if, if you've ever attended a funeral, a funeral should make you very sober. If someone you know has died, that you knew well has died, and you've attended the funeral, it should make you a sober human being. Every funeral is a reminder that there's an expiry date on this life. Every funeral is a remember, or, or as I remember, is a reminder that, that, that we have limited time. It's a reminder that your, your, your life is supposed to count. It's supposed to count. Glory to God. So you deny your own will. You deny yourself your own desires and you pick up his own desires. If any man will come to me, he should what, deny himself, take up his cross and what? Follow me. Deny himself, your own desires. What do you want? What? It, 
it's not that God doesn't want to have anything, but the question is, what you want? Is it in conflict with what he wants? Is it in conflict with what he wants? See Colossians 4 verse 17. Colossians or Colossians, Colossians 4 verse 17. It says, and say to Archippus or Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, this is Paul writing a letter. He wrote this one with his own hand. Before some, some, he used to dictate the letter. So let's see from verse 15. He says, so he's greeting, um, um, after everything he says, he's now, you know, extending greetings. The people that are here, you know, my people here greet you. I greet you. All those who look greet you. Epaphras greet you and all that stuff. Give my greetings in verse 15 to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in our house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. 17, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So imagine Archippus. Archippus is like a, maybe a disciple of Paul's. Maybe when Paul was over there, you know, he pastored them, disciple, he knows them by name. Then him is writing from wherever he is. I think at this time he was probably in prison, in Rome or something like that. And then imagine the only thing you say to one particular person called Archippus. This is a long letter and you're greeting everybody. And then you talk about Archippus. So Archippus is there. And you know, he, you now hear the line, say to Archippus, Archippus says, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. In other words, this is Paul. He doesn't have much space and he can only say one thing to Archippus. And the one thing he says to Archippus is what? See that you what? Fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. That's what is most important for him to say to Archippus. You know, if I write to you, I send you that message, you may even be offended. So I said, now see time to send somebody. Or whatever. It's to, it's to say to say, say, fulfill the ministry that God has given you. What is that? Yet Paul deems this literally the most important thing he can tell this guy. So the word fulfill there is to discharge an obligation. That means in our, our spirit, there's an obligation that God expects us to carry out on a daily basis. And when we are done, fulfilled. That means there are things, there's a task at hand that you're supposed to do and it's supposed to carry, be carried out every single day of your life and when you are done you know that you are fulfilled. In following God's plan for our lives we have, an, we have to have an idea of what it looks like. It's a plan to serve a plan to be a blessing to God's house. God's plan is not you using God, it is God using you. You know I spoke, I spoke last week, I said there's a big problem we have. It is a, it's a devilish mentality. I'm sorry. And you know, say, when, so look, let me, even, let, me, let me share something. Satan understands human beings and understands that all he has to do is to deceive you and keep you busy so that you never do what God wants to do. Many of us don't understand. I've been saying this when I teach supernatural rebellion. I'll share this. By that, I teach Bonatra Rebellion, although I've started a bit on the podcast. You're going to find out that God's plan to deal with all the hordes of hell, God's plan to deal with Satan and all his goons, 
God's plan to deal with demons once and for all is the church. Because when Jesus goes to that place, um, or is it the, no, no, not the gatherings, when he's in that place where he says, who do men say I am? And this one is saying, you are this, you are that. He says, but who do you say I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. He says, he now says, he says, you are Peter. Then he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We stand it. Now, what we don't know is that in that in that area where they were, actually, historically, that area, actually, there was a literal, he was standing at the literal mountain. So when he's talking about upon his rock, he's not talking about Peter or the revelation of Christ. There's actually a rock there. Historically, there's a rock right there. And that rock actually, and that, that terrain was actually called the gates of hell. And historically, and there's a reason why it's called the gates of hell because when in in the ancient world, they all knew that something that thing that happened in Genesis six that these fall, these sons of God came down and had took wives and had giants and all those things. It is actually said in their culture. This place is called is like um, it's that area they were. Jesus was in Gentile territory. That is, he was not in Jewish territory. He was in Gentile territory, and it is known historically that they, they knew that. See that those. It is said that many of those. Um, those giants that were born and all that stuff and you know who were what they call it you know who were killed and or if you know the story the flood wiped out a lot of them you know joshua wiped out some of them david and all that stuff well it is said that their spirits you know is was the jew the belief of that time that their spirits were at that place or that place was a very bad place it's like the area of bashan like that's the idea that that place is very bad this is where hell's activity and operations headquarters is that was the ancient belief so jesus going to that place all right is to make a statement all right going to that place is to what is to make a statement it's going to, is to make a statement and the statement he's going to make there, all right, by, by when he says, upon this rock, all right, I will, so he says, you are Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not what withstand. So the rock is supposed to be the headquarters, Abby. It's supposed to be the, you know, where these guys are. He says, upon this rock, upon this, you guys, he says, I what? I will build my church. Then he says the gates of hell, talking about where he's looking at. He says we will not, now, you know, the way we, we said like this, we will not prevail against it and it looks as if it's the church that is not, no. There's, in, if you go and read it properly, it's the gates of hell shall not you know, prevail. It's not, there's no against it in italics. It's actually that, it says, oh, think about it, the rock is supposed to symbolize evil. This demonic activity says, Upon I will build my church all right, that means on top of now, I'm going to crush my strategy to deal with you is the church. And it says the gates of hell, that means you guys, all right, cannot withstand it. That means you people are the ones on the defense because these guys, part of their purpose on the earth is to administer a beating to you people, to deal with you guys and to run you out of town. In other words, my strategy to deal with you is the church. That's what Christ is saying about the church. 
So if you understand it, that God has left you here as the occupying army that deals with the devil, that goes on the assault and, and enforces what Christ has done. So that's why Christ has all the confidence. He dies, he rises, and he lives. He has all the confidence that what he has invested in the church is enough to deal with Satan once and for all. And he lives. So, if you are Satan and you understand this one fact I just shared, you understand that this church that he has betted, these people who have believed the gospel, that have the investment of the Spirit inside them, if you are Satan, understand that this is his strategy to deal with you, what do you think you would do to try to delay that evil day? What would you do? Of course, you would try to distract them because he knows that once a person is working in purpose, once a believer can grasp his or her purpose in Christ and they face the responsibility of the church the way they should, his time is up. In, the, in that area, in that terrain, in that terrain, once the church wakes up, once they know this is what they are supposed to do, he knows his time is up. I don't have the time, but I would have opened up and shown you that it is that this is more of a, of a territorial thing. It's we, that we go. The, you know, I said that I said the, the believer is supposed to have a healthy appetite for territorial dominion. That is that we claim territories in the name of Christ. Why? Because we are the invading and superior army against hordes that have already been defeated. And so our work is to go and claim territories for Christ. And how do we claim a territory? We claim the territory by claiming the people. We claim the territory by preaching the gospel. We invade territories by carrying the name of Christ there. We heal the sick. We cast out devils. We raise the dead. We preach the gospel. We bring in God's power into a territory. We get the people saved and then we disciple them. That's how we disarm Satan and remove him from any form of authority he has in the place. So if you like, go to Hollywood or wherever. It is the people. Once you get the people, the, the, the influence of the beings that are over that place, lose, they lose their hold. Because the beings are the channel through which they hold their influence and their, their, their power. So once you get the people, you, you have disarmed the beings. We now have the authority. In the time of Daniel, that guy called Prince of Persia that is busy with standing, with standing Gabriel. Just go into Persia. Going to today, Persia will be one of those Arabian countries. Just go into that place. Go in there. Win the souls. <laughs> Make disciples. Plant churches in that place. Sweep them out of the kingdom of darkness. You've dealt to the prince of Persia. That's actually the commission, the assignment of the gospel. So once you understand that, Satan knows that if a believer gets this, if you understand this, Oh, he understands that he doesn't have any hold again. Because he's actually defeated. And that's the biggest secret he has kept secret. It's his biggest secret that he's defeated. That he doesn't have any right again. It's his biggest secret. Because you see, Satan's lordship, the Bible Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 2.14, that he is the one that had the power of death. His lordship over man has been the fact that a man is going to, man is doomed to death. Man is mortal. Man is, is the one who is dead. That is, has been his tactic because he, you know, if you read Isaiah, he has been brought down, you know, the Lord says, I will bring you down to the pit. That is, you tried to become the most high, but now I will bring you down to the pit. 
and so the other was he's made lord of the of death that is the lowest form of 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 rulership in existence he's made a lot of things that are dead that's how he man is in his grasp and that's how he has dominion over man but when he has been disgraced when sin has been dealt with and therefore man is no longer dead he has lost that hold but his biggest secret is that man must not know his biggest lie is to hold back that information and to keep on operating as if he's still in authority but when he meets a believer who knows the truth that's why you can tell them my friend will you leave that place stop operating here and they have to stop because they know the truth but you see just because that is the truth doesn't mean that's the reality. And he knows that. So what does he do? He distracts believers. So he would rather make you as a believer selfish. He will make you think of how to jackpot, Think of how to hustle. Make money. You know, get fame. Get boyfriend. Get husband. Get, get car. Get, and those things are not bad. But he will make you, he will, influence you and deceive you to believe that those are the most important things in your life. Meanwhile, Christ will say, take no thought for your life, what you eat, what you drink. Christ does not put those things as number one. Those things are in the back burner. Look, you know, there's something I found out. Do you know that those in witchcraft, all right, if you check many of them, the witch riches, the native doctors, they're usually very poor. Many times they're very poor, wretched looking and all that stuff. And do you know many of them like it? And the reason they like it is because in their world, in the, in the realm that they enter, that the world they go into, that's their spirit realm. You hear about all this water, you know, and in those realms they have, they literally, some people here, look at the person, poor, broke, he's begging for 59. Meanwhile, in his kingdom, he has built a, a mansion in his own kingdom. In that nonsense spiritual thing, they've they are they they are doing well. They are you know, they are stars in wickedness. And if in the natural they are nothing, they but but in the in the spiritual they are, and you know they are content with that. They are content with that. They would rather do that because they they are esteeming earthly things lightly. This is for a rubbish false kingdom that is perishing. Once they die, they go to hell, and that's it for them. Yet, they, that stupid existence, they cherish it more than life itself. Yet, for believers who are promised eternity to reign with Christ, we, we value natural things so much. We, we put natural things that have so much sway over us that there are many who are willing to compromise and, and sell their soul because of some comfort. They have followed the error of Esau, who for porridge, for, for slight, you know, for a temporal pleasure, they will give up a birthright. And that's it for believers. Believers, people don't really care about the gospel. They don't really care. Meanwhile, you have the opportunity to secure an eternity that is greater than anything you, you've ever known. Yes, it's by faith. We've not seen it. But you see, if you believe God's word, why not believe it all the way through? If you believed it for your healing, if you believed it to get saved, if you believed it for your life, why not believe it all the way through? This selfish version of Christianity that is all about you, 
and what you can get, what God can do for you. And then there's the version that is just motivational. I was just watching one today. It's just motivational. It's all about, oh, what God can do in the storm with you. Oh, and everything. Oh, you didn't know you had it inside you. How, you know, that, that, that every, all the tests and trials in your life were all to say you succeed. Also that you would do this. Also that you do that. Also that you would be this and be that. And it's just a bunch of nonsense. John said something, said that he may increase, that I may decrease. That is the purpose of your life. That uh, the more your life goes on, the less and less of you we will see and the more of Christ. That's actually the focus and goal of your life. Nothing else matters more than this. Yes. Paul says it. He said, esteem earthly things lightly. That that means there must be a a view to earthly things. There must be a kind of um, way you see natural things. That they are good, though. We didn't say you should not look, you know, make money. We didn't say it's true. But you see, if that money now becomes the reason why you cannot do the things of Christ, if that reason becomes why you cannot serve in church, that, that becomes the reason you cannot preach the gospel. That becomes, you've been so busy, you have no prayer life. You are so busy hustling and chasing whatever that, you know, or or that relationship, or whatever that you don't, you know, <laughs> then you, you need to reevaluate what is important to you. Because following God's plan for your life, God's plan is, a, is, is, is that your life is lived with his own agenda as a priority. That's simply what it means. To follow God's plan for your life is to live your life with his own priority as, or agenda as a priority. And his agenda is around the church. Therefore, that means you make the agenda of the church your priority. And it is not just attendance alone. No, it is everything. You see someone say, oh no, me, I can't be a pastor. I can't be a pastor. Okay, some people say, well, say, well I don't pastor. Marry a pastor. I can't marry a pastor. God forbid. God forbid. Jesus. I can't be a... You can see how what the, what the, you know, the world has entered the church. So you see the average person buying and casting. So you, you go and tell your parents that. Say, what does your what does husband do? He say he's a pastor. Ah, Bamio. Oh, and meanwhile, the people that are crying are pastors themselves. Oh, that's even the one that blows my mind. The people who will be crying for you are pastors themselves. But we all say, no, we know how we suffered. We know how we suffered. We don't want you to. Oh, wait. So you suffered for Christ. You know, Stephen, when he was being stoned, he opened, his eyes were open and he looked in heaven and had a vision and saw Christ standing and, you know, and in, 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 in solidarity, standing in with respect unto the sacrifice he was making with, with his life. So those sacrifices actually mean the world to Christ. So your parents were hungry. They went through ministry, not knowing much. They went through hunger. They went through many things, but they came out eventually. But the Bible says that God is not wicked, that he would forget your labor of love. He knows what they went through. So they have gone through it. Now, you as their child, I can understand the sentiment. I don't want my child to go through anything. However, if you've gone through it, it was a badge of honor. Some people feel like those periods we suffer. Hey, God forbid. 
Meanwhile, cry in the annals and records. It has been recorded that these are some of the best moments where you were able to give Jesus and advance his kingdom by your own daily death. But meanwhile, you now talk against it. You talk so lightly of it as a parent and your child because of the idea that your child may experience some of that pain you experienced. For Jesus, so you are you 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 you, you get upset. Now I'm not saying be silly as a parent. Obviously, there are things you can do to make your child's life better. But I'm saying the value system that that this world has, the value system is so fickle, is so low. Is so low. When it comes to money, oh, this money matter. So some people, your money low-key is, or your God low-key is money. Some of you, your God low-key is money. And that's the truth. Your God low-key is money. Money is that God. Money is your God. That you are willing to, you are willing to, to let go. Because some of you say, no, 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 let's, the way, how do we know money is your God? Whatever amount, if any amount to make you sell out, money is your God. Let's start checking it. Can we, can, can one million make you compromise? You say, no, oh, no, 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 that's too much. Okay, like, can, can 10 million now make you compromise? You know, before you, before you say something and remove yourself from there, imagine 10 million per month, salary, of 10 million per month. You work Monday to Sunday. You work 18 hours Monday to Sunday. You get paid 10 million every single month. And it's not the type you can work one month and run away. If you start, you must stay at least four years before you can let you go. It's on the contract. They give you everything. Give you house. Give you cars. Give you everything. Everything all furnished. But they give you 10 million naira every single month. Different privileges. They even have parental privilege. They take care of your family and all that stuff. Buy you. That is anything you can imagine. They give it to you. But you're going to work 18 hours a day. And even the work is like everywhere is conditioned. You can go stretch, relax your legs. But 18 hours a day. Of course, Monday to Sunday, no time for church. You can't go on any but nothing. And it's a fixed thing of four years. And it's offered to you. If you are here and then you're you're doing <laughs> you need to go and pray that the Lord purge your soul of every filth of <laughs> anything that is in there. When Tiovino is singing that song, you say take it away. Oh you would not you didn't understand where he was coming from. Say take it away. You to yourself, hey, you don't understand. You see, you don't understand this is not a song, it's a cry. Better go and play that song and cry out to God to remove that. That's greed. It's true now. It's true. It's true. As a lady, they go somewhere, they say, well, just, you know, just this sexual act. It's not even the main thing, but there's this, this smaller sexual act. What's the salary? 2.5 anymore. In fact, 2.5 is too much. 400,000. Say 2.5, oh, 2.5 M. 400,000. Some people 250. He said, The job is yours. You've done, you've passed through everything. He said, They liked you and everything. You now come to collect. He said, Look, on this table is an envelope that has your appointment letter. It's already done. Everything is done. You just have to do this one act. And it's not even the main sexual act, but it's just something that is lesser. But you have to do it. If you do it right now, five minutes are done. Can have it. 
and vice versa. You might be a guy and is a female that is asking you to try. Or some of you, maybe you've written jam two, three times. They tell you or whatever that the admission, you know, is here. All you have to do. <laughs> to serve Jesus is to choose not to serve yourself. Is to serve him, not you. And you know these things, it's not when you get there, you know, start thinking about it. You should be thinking about it now. There are things that I imagine myself in situations and I have to conquer them in my head first before the situation shows up. If you are waiting for the situation to show up, you're already finished. If you've not already decided before the situation comes, it's already finished. Compromise will be full of, will be plenty. <laughs> This Christianity that we, we do where it's all about us and what God will do for us and our house, our car, and our breakthrough and our health and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with praying, you know, concerning those things. But when those things become the focus of your Christianity, when those things become your prayer point, please, I don't understand how your prayer point on a daily basis can be about you. You and your family on a daily basis. Is there not a problem with that? It's a big issue. Now, if the Spirit of God gave it to somebody to do, he says, told this man or whoever, do this for me. People who join from our world do it on a daily basis. I don't have issue with that. It's the Spirit of God that told the person that. So don't judge the person for doing that. But usually, such a person, that cannot be his, his church. If, if that is your church service, there's a problem. If that's all you do in church, there's a problem. If all your meetings are about that, there's a problem. If your Sunday service is always about, there's a problem, a serious issue. The other thing is this, if your people have problems, is it not better to raise them, train them, grow them spiritually, and then teach them how to operate God's power so they can use it for themselves and then be a blessing to others than a whole church gathering about around you and your prayers? No. So there's a balance. Are you with me? There's a balance. And God's people need to learn how to be discerning because there are a lot of God's people who are not discerning. They don't know. This thing can be staring them in the face. They don't see a problem with it. You need to be discerning. You have to understand. No, there's an issue with that kind of Christianity where it's always about me. If you hang around me, you know, I always, I always like to say, I say, if you say, our pastor is praying for us, you are deceiving yourself. I can pray for the ministry and I can pray for my pastors, my leaders. But to think that I will carry my whole time day and night and I'm just praying for you to hammer and blow, you are joking. If any prayer we pray for you is efficient, the, the eyes will understand being enlightened. So that all that stubbornness will clear from your eye. Once you see what Christ has done, maybe you will, you will mature and grow up. That's the prayer point I will pray for you. Not that you will go and blow. Not that you went to enter school so that you will go there and get, get one boyfriend and be fornicating. That's not my business at that point. I, there's nothing wrong with agreeing with you on that or entering school. But what, see, there are some prayers I will pray for you. I look, I say, you, you want to go to Canada. I say, I look at you. I know this. I say, God, please keep this person here. Let this person not smell the shirt of Canada, Lord. Let this person be here till they mature. So that, they, that, so that that move they're about to make will not kill them. So that they can still be spiritual and know Jesus. It's true. Some of you would have just come around us for, for, for literally three months, two months. 
you are growing for the first time in your spiritual life. You are, you are, you are knowing Jesus. Things are working. Things are happening. Oh my goodness, you went to SOHK. You were, this was a cancer, you were healed. You were operated in the things of the spirit. You are growing. Next thing, uh, I, I want to go abroad. I want to go here. I want to go there. Nothing. Are you okay? You've not grown anything. Postpone that thing. I, in fact, I pray, prayer, Lord, anybody in this place that is not supposed to go anywhere, but decides by their own stubborn will that they want to go. Father, I block, I close the heavens over them. May, they, may that plan not prosper in the name of Jesus. May all those doors be closed around them in Jesus' name. Lord, if it's money that will kill them, take the money away. Let them not see the money till they mature. In the name of Jesus. That's the prayer I will pray for you so that you can, so that when you stand before Jesus, they can find something to gather and put, yes. That's the prayer I will pray for you. I won't forget that, I can't forget it. There was one lady like this. I remember that time. I said, I knew this girl. The way you are like this, you want to go abroad, you will die. You will have finished. You don't know anything. You are a baby. I just declared, I said, I close heaven over you. I said it. I said, I close it. I said, the pathway to it, I close it. So the girl, you know, thought, she is one man of God that closed it. So another man of God can open it. So the girl now went with her mother. They went to see a pastor in their church. You know, there's such a thing called fatherhood in this spirit. There's such a thing called fatherhood. So she went to apply for the services of another man who is supposedly in contact with divinity. And so the man decided to pray that a open heavens will open. Then he looked in the heavens and saw that there was a padlock in the heavens. That somebody had padlocked this thing. And he said, ah, somebody. He said, I'm looking, but I'm seeing this thing has been padlocked. Nothing I can do. So the girl shaking came back. And that time, who, who was I? I? Who was I? One young man that was working in one school. She came back shaking, visibly shaking. Came back shaking. Well, I said, I closed it. Yes. So if I close this, closed. If I it's closed, one of you, it needs to be closed. You need to, because your purpose in Christ is <laughs> about to be hijacked by your stupidity. So we need to block it so that you can grow for a while before you, you move anywhere. I want to go to Canada. Canada. I want to go to US. I want to go to Germany. Look at as you are like this. As you are like this. You can't go two weeks without backsliding, without the brethren, and you want to go abroad. Something is very, very wrong. You can't even travel to Imo State and not backslide before you come back. But it's abroad you want to go. No. Please. You hold your phone already. You are shaking because pornography, all the porn websites that you have, are, are coming to your mind. You want to start typing them as you hold, you hold your phone, your, your hands start to shake. That's you. Then you want to go abroad. That abroad perish. It perish with you. God forbid. May God not give you the things you desire that will kill you in the name of Jesus. That's my prayer for you. May angels be demobilized for your sake. That is, may they not be activated. The things that you are not supposed to have or do at this point in time, may angels be demobilized from those tasks that you are trying to send them on in the name of Jesus. Yes. This is the best prayer someone can pray for you. Best prayer. So that you can calm down somewhere. Some of you want to hammer too fast. Hey God, if you only give me 
10 million. You, 10 million. <laughs> you know, I've said it before. You know, some people say, Lord, if you give me this money, Lord, I will surprise you. If you give me this money, I will surprise you. But I have news. God is already surprised. He's always, because the one you have, that 5K you have, you cannot give God. You can't empty 5K from your account. That's all you have. Yet, you want to empty 10 million. He's already surprised on your behalf. He's surprised for you. So don't bother trying to surprise him because he's already surprised at the level that you are. That you cannot let go of 5K. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. I've seen a case of a, a lady that had the tune of more than 1 million. Like literally young lady. This is a, a teenager that had, they get money. The girl personally, her personal fortunes would amount to that one point something million. This girl had never given God more than 5K at a time. Never. Had never given God more than 5,000 naira. More than 5K. This is, it, it had to be a demon. Now I'm thinking about it. Because this, and this is someone, I asked the lady, I said, but you bought her before. She said, yes. I said, what's the highest you ever bought her for? She said, 120K. I said, so you can buy 120K hair, but you cannot give God 5,000 naira. She said, you cannot. She will, she, this, I said, what at the point? Because sometimes for me to help you grow, it's not my fault, so, but if you decide to be my disciple, I will force some things. I said, we have today, empty the account. Today. It's true. How can you be a Christian and you never empty your account for Jesus? And you are a Christian and you want to grow. Then I love you. Carry your mouth and say you love Jesus. But you have never given God everything before. You don't know what it's like to give God and be walking home. You don't know what that feels like. You don't know what it is to empty. And then you're like, hey, what time I go chop this night? You don't know what that looks like. Uh, please, da, leave that thing. Leave, leave that thing. That love for Jesus is plastic. Is is plastic. Is China. It's not the real thing. Yes. I had, I said, I said today, I told you, today you are going to give 30. The, you! Lady wanted to die. Rather will leave than do that. Thing. Because following God's plan for your life is about priorities. It's about priorities. Prioritizing. That this man called the Jesus Christ is going to become number one. Even if following Jesus will lead to my untimely death, so be it. That's what it means in the contract. If death is on the contract, if any man will come after me, he must first of all deny himself, take up his cross. When you take up a cross, you know a cross, they, you know to me that cross is for decoration, just find one cross, like that picture on the wall, just pick one cross and be walking around. No. If you are picking a cross, you are heading somewhere. If Romans put a cross on your shoulders, you were condemned. And so you were heading somewhere where you, they would prop that same cross and have you crucified. So he was saying, take up his own cross. He's saying, take up your death. In other words, when he says, follow me, he says, I have gone by the way of death. You are following me to death. That is the way. That means, that's why Paul will say, I die daily. It is death. Death or what we call self-crucifixion, where my own desires, my own ambitions, my own thing, what I want, not I, but Christ, his own comes first. And anything I decide I'm going to do with my life, 
whether I say I want to be the world's number one athlete or something, is going to be done with the glorification of this deity in mind. So if I say I want to be an Olympic swimmer and the Spirit of God has allowed that particular expression, then it would mean that my Olympic swimming will not just go there and get a world record, but it would be that Christ be glorified in what I do. Paul will say that Christ be magnified whether by my life or my death. That is the goal of this Christian work. That is what it means to follow Jesus. That is what it means. Yeah. I deny myself. Oh, Jesus. I'm not sure people are hearing me very well. The judgment seat of Christ, you know, there's that. It's a real seat. First Corinthians 3 shows it. Second Corinthians 5 tells, talks about it. Is when believers come before Christ to give account of their lives. So we must always live for eternal things and not temporary things. There are things that are temporary. They will fade away. They will pass away. Did it ever happen to you how you wanted something so bad, like a phone? You wanted that phone so bad. You almost died for that phone. You could not wait to have that phone. You sacrificed, you saved, you cried, you, you did everything to have that phone. Then you now finally had the phone. Then, if you now check some years later, after the abuse of that phone, the phone is now dying. Or let's just say, imagine the phone, everything happened, then that phone also, also got stolen. You know, that happened to me before. Where there was a phone I idolized so much. It was in my NYC. And I don't know why the devil just planned for me that because I don't know why I would foolishly just put the phone loosely in my khaki that it was sticking out. That was in Note 4 back then when Note 4 just came out. And I was just walking on that Ike down that bridge, about to enter into a bus. And this person just moved really quickly with smooth, buttery fingers and acquired my property and it became his own in an instant. And the only person that saw him in his nefarious act, was a mute, a deaf and dumb woman, beggar, that was there. That's the only person I saw him. This happening at the Keja on that bridge. <laughs> Someone said the same. <laughs> but the whole point is that that phone that you thought you would die for, by the time the phone was stolen, you now realize I can live without this phone. You don't realize life goes on without the phone. You just realize life will go on. The thing I thought I would die on top, life will go on. That girlfriend or boyfriend I thought I would die. Now, now they're not in your life again. Life has gone on. Life has gone on. But you thought there's no way this life will go on without this person. Meanwhile, life has gone on. This is reality. Why? These things are temporary. They are temporal. Like it or not, those your parents, some of you that, allow, that your parents will not allow you to serve God, they will die one day. And you will find out you can do without them because what is keeping some of you is not even, is the fact that you have refused to insist and stand for the fact that if you serve Jesus. But one day they will die. You will not realize, oh, oh, so I can go without them. So life can continue without these people. Yeah. News flash. News flash. Things in life are temporal. And I want to say this that you need to understand that it's, God is not asking you to do what is impossible. No. 
in case you think he doesn't care about those things, he told the rich guy, rich, rich young ruler, sell everything. And... <laughs> it's not about wanting to rob you of your possessions. It is the idea that nothing must come before me. You shall have no other God before me. After all, that was the boast of the guy now. He says, I've kept that. Meanwhile, yes, but his God was right there. His wealth, affluence was right there. No material thing, including family. Some people, have, you know, I always say this, that especially for women, they must be careful when they get married because many women tend to turn their affections. You hear some women, the only reason I'm living is my children. That's a wrong reason to live. That's a very wrong reason to live. Oh, no, this one cannot be your children. It cannot be your children. Some people is their husband. Have you read Genesis 3? Your desire shall be to a man and he will rule over you. It's a curse. It's a curse. It's a result of the fall. It's a result of disconnection from God where a woman's significance and worth tends to come from a man. As I say, thank you for that thunderous silence. Yes, because I would die on top of man. Man. It's a cause. It's a deficiency in, in, in you know, in, the, in it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's an effect of disconnection from God. It's an effect of of your body being dead doomed and and lacking the life of God. It's an effect of a mind that is carnal and sensual and that holds to the values of the world. So you feel like somebody, one man completes you. You can't see your life outside of a man. It must be a man. It's God. Yes. I want to die on top of human being. Hey! <laughs> no. A, a thousand times no. God forbid. God forbid. This is not, we're not talking about, this is not feminism. No. We're just talking about, it's just common sense. It's a cause. Our life does not revolve around a man. And even after you get married, you're you now your husband's authority, yes? But he does not now become the definition of your life. Your life is about this one person. And then some men too. Then some people, it's not even marriage, it's just now. You're not even thinking of marriage, but there's one guy somewhere that has become the definition of your existence. He completes me. I thought that's me. If I complete you, complete, complete with you. Say, no, I'm his missing. Shut up, my friend. Missing regret. Where did you see that in your Bible? They didn't write rape anywhere, first of all. Number one. Then, number two. You know, I've said this before. I've said this before. Even when they say the two shall become one, uh, let me leave that one. <laughs> say no comforter no 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 whatever was found no help meet was found the help meets go and read that thing properly the help meets 
it's a figure. The helpmate is that comforter. No help, yes. It's that comforter that comes in Christ. That's the help man needs. Because you do as the as the as you to your man, if you understand that story, you to your man, you need that also. You need that comforter. You need that help. The help, what helps man is the spirit of God. You are not the completion of any man. Please stop that nonsense. Say he completes me. Look at you. You are just too emotional. That's the problem. Go on. Let me even say, if you are like that, you are not qualified to be in any called relationship. I'm not even joking. Go on and learn and mature and find your significance in God first before entering anything. I'm telling you. Some people don't like hearing all this one, but it's true. It's true. God, you just hear man, you just go mad. Just go mad. Because of relationships. You need to calm down, my friend. To calm down. Glory to God. To calm down. Temporary things are good. Temporal, that's things we use in this life. Acquire them and don't live for them. That is, it's good to have a nice house. Glory to God. As I'm talking to you, I'm not saying I want to live under a shed like the native doctor. No, I want to live in a nice house. Glory to Jesus. Like an own property, why not? The point is, things are meant to be used. Are you with me? Things are not supposed to define your life. Yes. It's like a phone. Many people are just in love. A phone, for example. Or God, many people are just in love with the idea. For example, there are some ladies that can sleep with someone for iPhone 14. There are some men that can do rituals for iPhone 14. Just to have it and hold it. Just so they can feel they are worth something. They can do anything for iPhone 14. Well, in the end, what is a phone? It's a functional tool that helps you accomplish certain things. Is it not true? A phone just has a function. What you are you make calls with it? So why are you going back to this phone issue? <laughs> Am I calling you up? Well, it's true. You a phone is for is for practical purposes. I make calls, I can go online, I can communicate, it has all my data and all that stuff. That's what a phone is for. It's literally what a phone is for. Whether it's a laptop, it, you know, it's the same thing. It just gets the job done. So the reason why, for me personally, I want a, a better phone or something is so that it can do the work better. It can be faster. It won't lag. Are you with me? It's the same reason why you want faster Wi-Fi like this. Not MTN 5G. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. You have MTN 5G that's come out now. Why would someone want MTN 5G? So I can get the job done faster. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not, there's nothing more to it. But some people now idolize the thing as if eh, prayer point Monday, prayer point Tuesday, prayer point Wednesday, prayer point Thursday, prayer point, calm down. It's just a tool. These things are tools. What is marriage? Marriage is just, let me say this, marriage is just a, is, is a vehicle that carries out a purpose. Simple. And if you check marriage, in marriage, it's part of the dominion mandate. You just, you just extend God's life and God's values and, and God's influence into to another person is to care for another person as well as, you know, children and all that. And that the government of God is what is prevalent in that family. 
and that that family now becomes an expression. You disciple that family as a man, woman, or whatever, and that family becomes an expression of the life of God to your surroundings, your environment, your schools. Your... That's, the, that's the idea of a family. The family is supposed to is supposed to still carry that Edenic vision, which is God's rule to be established all over the earth. That's why you raise children. You raise children. You bring them up in the fear and admission of the Lord. Why? So that they are disciples of Christ. And that they will now also have their own families and extend the same influence and rule. Simple. So, marriage is not because you as a person, you've always been lonely your whole life. And you just want someone that will not make you lonely again. I don't want to be lonely. So I need to marry so I'm not lonely again. It's so lonely, so quiet out here. It's so quiet in my head. I need someone to talk to me and tell me nice things. Someone to bring breakfast in bed. Don't worry, you marry. You understand that breakfast in bed is a special privilege that we, we pray your spouse buys into. It's true. It's true. We pray your spouse. Because some of you, your idea of marriage, I'm speaking to ladies here, is your idea of marriage is from Telemundo. Your idea of marriage is from the rubbish novels you read growing up. Your idea of marriage is gotten from soap operas. And Catalina and Sebastian. It is not realistic. It does not exist. The marriage in your head does not exist on this planet. Oh, I'm te- don't worry. Say you marry now. You will find out that the marriage, that marriage, that's in your head. So many of you, that thing that's making many of you ro- try to rush inside. Me, I know guys, they are because guys don't send. Well, they only beg. They don't want responsibility. But I know the one thing that is making guys want to rush into marriage. And it's called, you know, there's that thing. It's Jerry Gambia, that thing that, that is, we know what was doing guys. Uh-huh. But we know females, there's this crazy idea. There's this thing that, there's this island of fantasy that has been built in your head and by Instagram. There's this wall that exists in only your head that has no bearing in reality. Is that wall that you are pursuing because you were there at your auntie's wedding and you saw all the things and it was only all that was in your mouth and you forgot that their pockets, they were were squeezing their face because they were spending 10 million on that wedding. You you know, all that was your, it's just the all, all they kiss. Oh, oh. That's all. Is there's fantasy and fiction that is in your head? There's there's that other part of the the baby, oh baby that you only want to work for thirty minutes and go home. You you don't you're not there with the child when that child is committing erroneous and and criminal acts against the family. You're not there. You just you just go oh, and go. You, you you have a you know it's funny how. You in your, your your parents are quarreling every day, yet your idea of marriage is still out of this world. There's a silly idea you have in your head that needs to be dismantled with logic and reality. It's true. That's the thing that is pushing. Why am I entering here today? That's the thing that is pushing you into that realm, that zone that you cannot. Oh, my friends are getting married. My friends, there's an idea that is unhealthy that is driving you. Because if you are truly going to marriage for the purpose of scripture, it is to go and serve. The Bible says the Son of Man is not come to be saved, but to serve and give his life as a ransom of many. That is the pattern of marriage. You are going there, you're supposed to go to there to serve the other person, not to be saved. But the idea in most of your heads is to be saved. Even the guys is to be saved. 
You are going there for your own selfish benefit and selfish goal. Meanwhile, God planned marriage for a totally different reason. And marriage will destroy that thing called self inside you. Yes. Marriage will destroy all your selfishness is supposed to go as a function of marriage. But the reason why most marriages, actually Christian marriages, 50% will end up in divorce is because of the fact that most people went inside marriage with a wrong idea. And for selfish reasons. And they got in there and realized, ah, eh, this is not what's happening. So they now decided to, this, to retreat on that decision because they found that marriage is not conducive to house their selfish desires. Is a guy who doesn't want their sex. sex. Is, is she a prostitute? Is sex, sex, sex. That's why he wants that sex. Is, is, it a, is it a harlot you're marrying? It's true. Oh my, he just wants someone that will just, oh, just, you, oh, just, just, just literally make you float. Bring breakfast in bed. Say all the nicest things to you. You know. On the mirror, mirror in your bathroom, draw draw a heart and do on the thing, the heart to now form. That's that's what's inside that your head. Wake up to text messages, you know. Wake up to different kinds of text messages and, and, and different things. Seven or twelve times a day, you get small little messages and things, and then there's also one little gift hidden there somewhere for you, and how you can just spend some more time together literally and they can go on walks and things like that and you know ah, silly idea Hollywood Hollywood is what is in your head Hollywood Prince Shamont ride off into the sunset that's why I like Shrek you need to watch Shrek because in Shrek it doesn't it goes a bit like real life you need to go and watch yes leave Go and watch Shrek. Go and see her that the that the princess doesn't always, you know, sometimes she turns into an ogre. That's what happens. You need to go and check. Oh, I don't know. Please, I, I came here to preach. There's something else that I came to achieve, accomplish today. This cannot. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. There's this idea that needs to vanish in your head. You need to get a more realistic idea of life. Many people who are getting married are just entering. They are not prepared for Jack. They are not prepared for Jack. They are not prepared for, they are not prepared for Jack. You don't understand what you are getting into. And that's why you think you cannot get into it with anybody with no preparation, with your just there. And also, you don't know what you are doing. Because the best preparation for marriage is to become a disciple of Christ is to die. When you die to yourself and, you know, you, 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 you surrender to the will of Christ daily. You die daily. You take up your cross and follow him. The marriage will be an extension of your death. Marriage will be an expression of that death. Marriage will hold with you the banner of the Lordship of Christ. You are a born servant of Christ in that marriage. That's what it will be. You are going there to serve. Of course, there's the bells and whistles, all the lovely things inside involved. But I will tell you the truth. You walk all those things out. 
all this emotion that is pushing you to want to get don't worry check your parents and ask check your your parents is it still that rush of emotions go and check their pictures when they got married is that rush of emotions that they got married and everything oh we can't take our hands off each other go and check whether that's what's still sustain that marriage you just see your daddy sitting down there with you nah, nah, yeah, and all that you know my husband yeah, you, yeah it's, um, that's what it some people don't like to be told the truth why not say but a spark of course there can be a spark you can sustain put the spark in your marriage and all that why am I bringing all this up this is not the topic you can bring all those things up yes you can actually bring fire into your marriage but I will tell you the truth is it doesn't work just look at your look around you and many of you your ideas Instagram is the worst place to be getting <laughs> getting ideas about relationships or marriage people only post the best and many times they are faking it and that's what they post online and that's what you are looking at and you want to die that one that got married, they didn't tell you that they still have three million naira debt they've not cleared from their wedding. But every time they are put, posting themselves on the beach and just smiling, like everything is all right. It's true now. That other one that is covering, using makeup to cover the, the slap her husband gave her, you don't know, but she posted. She looked so glamorous. Her makeup was on flip, but yet the makeup was being used as a camouflage for intense pain. And battery. We don't get our standards from the world, people of God. We get them from Christ. So calm down. Live for eternal things, things that will last beyond this world. Don't live for your marriage, live for Christ, His cause and purpose on the earth. Don't in a bit to train up your kids and be good fathers and mothers, be bad Christians. Because some people, as I said, my, my family becomes my priority. You are a terrible Christian. Your children are terrible Christians also. Terrible Christians. I remember there was a case where I was talking to someone. Husband, morning to Monday to Saturday, out. Where is the bank? Wife. Money to Saturday, where out? Where is the bank? Where is she bank? Why? We're trying to make a future for our kids. The kids that you cannot see. You only get to see them once a week or, or, or two times a week. Even the Saturday, they are sleeping the whole of the day. It's on Sunday. People go to church on Sunday, come back. That's how you see them. Maybe you take them out and buy ice cream. You come back. Your children, are, you don't see them. The whole family, you don't see them. They are literally, you know, after school, they go to school very, very early. After school, they are even in play groups and different things. You leave them and you don't see them. You come back by 8 p.m. every day, 9 p.m. You sleep off. That's how you see, you, you spend your... Why? Because you tell yourself that it is for your kids. No, it is for you. It's for you. It's not for them. Because what they require more than all that money you are trying to shower on them is they require time. They require, to, they require knowing Jesus. Every child has a right to know Jesus Christ. So let me say this, that you as a parent, if you are not more learning and growing in the values today that you should pass on tomorrow, how will you pass on those values? If you are not the person, because many times people will say, oh, follow Christ, but me, I'm the devil. You as a parent are the devil, but you want your children to follow Christ.
No wonder there are many people that when they say God is a heavenly father, the, the idea that comes to their head is the image of their own father. The, the, the mirror that image of their own earthly father is what, the, is what they carry in their own mind as who the heavenly father is. So following Christ is a life of unselfishness. Following God's plan for your life means that you will get to a place where you are unselfish. Why? Because part of his plan for your life is that you are going to be multiply. You are going to pass Christ on. You know, I said it before. I said, in case you don't want to have kids, think about it like this. That children are, <laughs> they are, they are warfare. To raise a child that goes in the way of God like this, like a Samuel is a blessing. But then you will see the same Samuel who in turn raised nonsense children and it was his fault. You will see Eli too who raised back seven children and it was his fault. So I said everything we do becomes part of the purpose of God. The school I went to, the university I went to, I remember that time I wanted to go to Canada. They have the money as from secondary school. But then Ghana opened up. I just went. Then I didn't know anything about God. But you see, God now used that to orchestrate events that brought me. That's why I'm talking to you people today because of that. Now that I was in his mercy, he brought me to Ghana. So my stay in Ghana became much less about my academics and much more about his plan for my life. Because that's where I discovered Christ. That's where I grew. That's where I learned how to pray. That's where I learned how to study the word. That's where I learned most of what I knew. That's where my spiritual habits were formed. That's why I grew capacity before I came out. That's why I met certain supernatural relationships that have become my anchor for life. So you see school, even your schooling is not just a place you go and get a degree. No, your school will become a, a place where you will bring God's kingdom to come to pass. It's where you will build your spiritual muscles for your future. It's where you will build your capacity. Yes. And it's where you're going to recruit and mobilize many other young people who will now find a purpose and reason for living in God. That's what your school is about, primarily. Then secondarily, you can now make sure your parents' school fees does not waste. Are you seeing that? Because if you waste, how will you be in the school? If your result is bad, how will you be in the school? They will kick you out after the first semester or first, you know. Glory to God. We mustn't worship all this. I don't mean this thing on marriage just keeps on coming up. I'm not saying don't be good fathers and mothers or do good things for your kids. But some people, that's all their focus on. So they worship their husbands, their wives, their marriage, and their family. That's why they can't even, they can't release their children to serve God. Why? Because in quote, they want the best for their children. Can't release your children to serve God. You are not serious. So he left the group chat. No, of all. <laughs> they can't. You won't get an award from God for being the first best father or mother. Let me even say this. What God cares about is that you become a reflection of him to your children. In marriage, yes. What God cares about is that you become a reflection of him to your wife. He cares about you being a good a reflection of Christ to your husband. That is the goal. Actually, that's what you'll be rewarded for. The love work. Yes. The love work and the shaping of your family. Praying for your family. 
nurturing them so that they can best, you know, creating a conducive environment and atmosphere that they can best fulfill the plan of God for their lives. That is what the reward would be for. Yes. As a family, have you taught your children how to fast? Have you taught your children how to, how to pray? And please don't start feeling bad here in case your family has not taught you all those things. Your own should be, I won't repeat it with my own family. Because that's the priority. That's the priority. First Corinthians 3.12 Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, and hay, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will, not, he will suffer loss. So, this is actually also telling you that if the work of ministry, right, is making disciples, it's telling you that the way you build also matters. That you can work for God and have no reward because the what you did was rubbish. In other words, the work you build will be tested. It's those who did, did good work for Christ that get rewarded. You can't do anyhow. After all, your job, the job you are working so hard, you don't do anyhow. Your academics in school, you don't do anyhow. Everything else you do well when it comes to God's work, you do nonsense. All of them are materials with lasting qualities. So what we will be judged with are the kind of substances we built on our Christian life. And again, it's dealing with service in the body of Christ. And again, don't forget that we reward some folks will stand before the reward seat of Christ and there is no reward because they did nothing to be rewarded for. God only rewards service and servants. If you're not a servant, there's no reward. He doesn't reward salvation because salvation is work for Christ. Just getting saved is not enough. For. Getting saved will get you in there. But it's not what to give you rewards. But he will reward your labor for the saints. You reward what you do in the body of Christ today. Glory to God. <laughs> now, let's look at what we call the nature of God's plan for our lives. Alright? Of course, First Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 19 shares, he has given us ministry of reconciliation. In case you are here and you don't know what that is, go and find my teachings on um, uh, what's that teaching called? Um, YMC, right? On um, YMC ministry, they want to refine everything and listen to it to give you a good lowdown on ministry. All right. <laughs> if you're a new Christian in Christ, Christ has given you a ministry. All right, the ministry of reconciliation is still called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. All right. Your talent is not your ministry. Let me say it again. Your talent is not your ministry. Let me say it one more time. Your talent is not your ministry. Your skill is not your ministry. What else? Which other one they do? Your talent, your skill, which other, which other your giftings. They are not your ministry. Now I've said it before that if your if your ministry is your talent, 
it doesn't even make sense. Actually. Okay, so what's my talent? I'm good at playing ball. So it's not my purpose. How? Let me even say the word that purpose and ministry are synonymous. So if I'm good at playing ball, ball now becomes my purpose. I've become the best basketballer that ever lived. Then you're not going to meet Jesus. I want you even be afraid to meet Jesus and tell him that. See, Lord, Lord, you even go with the ball. Lord, you know, you be showing him the skills. Lord, you know, you don't man. Lord, Lord, man, I dunked on LeBron. I dunked on Kobe. I dunked over, you know, this other guy. Da, 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 da. Everything, uh, Lord, I, man, I ankle breakers were happening over there. Man, he went to the left, to the right. Lord, that guy, man, that guy's trousers are tall. His shorts literally tall because, oh my goodness, that guy landed in the hospital. Lord, I dunked. Oh my goodness, did you see the NBA All-Stars? Da, 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 da. Everything, Lord. I did uh I did uh three pointer five times in the same game, Lord, in the last three minutes of the game. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing the... He's an angel that would wait, knock you. Why why should that matter? Then maybe Michael Jordan also made heaven. I'll be on the side saying, hmm. Mm, Lord, man, that guy, that guy, that, that guy on the chain. He went on the chain. He went on the chain. Who cares? They don't care. Say purpose. My purpose. Or oh, the other one say your your purpose is your pain. Whatever you're going through, God is using that pain to to set others free. God is using that. My friendly that thing. I've said it before. If you are raped now, your purpose is now to go around and be doing rape campaign and carrying rape. Please stop deceiving yourself. That's not <laughs> that's not your purpose. Uh, you know, I once said it that was during NYSC, they gave us placard that we should carry Sino to rip. And we're carrying it and walking from Ikeja down to Alausa, Sino to rip. But I said I said they are rapists in this crowd with us. <laughs> what are we saying? <laughs> carrying placard Sino to rip. <laughs> Rape is a terrible thing, my friend. Are you with me? You know, I've always said, I said, the best way to actually do this, if you make disciples, you will have less rapists. And that's the truth. Let me just, let's just tell the truth. I will say, say, but there are pastors who are raping. No, I said disciples. I didn't say, if we live, I said, I said, make disciples. If you make disciples, you have less rapists. For every man that you disciple properly, and because part of disciple, one of these, Things we do in discipleship is we teach a person to control his or her desires. The Bible says if we de- we mortify the deeds of the flesh by the spirit, you shall live. In other words, we use we help them to understand how to use the power of the spirit that they have received to deaden, to kill that appetite for sin in them, to control. The Bible says, possess your vessel with honor. When you help somebody, a believer do that, you kill it. I and mean, in case you think that it's only men that are also culprits, women. Do you know how many house girls have defiled young boys? Do you know how many maids and aunties have defiled little boys? Yes, now. Because usually we know that when a man has grown up, he's usually the one that has more strength. So you may see more expression of that when it comes to that. But how about the helpless little boys that older aunties are carrying out their loss, their, their, their cravings and, and raging desires on innocent little boys? It's everywhere. If we do a census now on the, on the guys here, you're going to find maybe out of the out of maybe ten guys here, maybe four have experienced that or five. So it tells you there's an epidemic on both the cases of males and females who have raging lust and desires that they do not know how to control. 
and pornography is addiction is not helping matters at all. Therefore, it is by making disciples and helping mortify those deeds of the flesh by putting that flesh on that, teaching them how to use the power of the spirit to mortify those desires, to destroy those desires, and a renewal of the mind by the word to know their new identity in Christ. It is by that we take rapists off the street. Telling somebody it's not good to rape is not enough. Because you must meet the underlying cause. So all these people that are carrying placard up and down, when they, they agree that rape is bad, but many of them will refuse to agree that pornography is causing rape. They don't want to agree to that. They don't want to agree to that now. It's true now. Because go and check the average pornography. What are they showing there? In many cases, they are showing that the ladies enjoying all kinds of pain and thought what, 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 what people call sex. All kinds of pain and torture. She's enjoying it. She's liking it. She's even encouraging it and everything. That's what they are literally showing in pornography. Yes, now. That's what they are showing in pornography. That women enjoy such abuse and all those kind of things. And all that. Yes. So imagine someone has watched that thing over and over again. What is programmed into his mind is that this is how women are. This is what they want. That that lady likes it. She wants it. That girl in my class is smiling at me. Or that my, my cousin or whatever. You know, that smile. And that's just another thing. I hope you know that, for example, there are many cases a woman can smile. Let me just share with some guys. The way men and women think is different. A guy can smile innocently. All right? Can smile. A, a woman can smile. And she just, oh... Just being friendly. Meanwhile, if for many guys, they know that if a lady smiles at them, especially one that they find attractive, the interpretation of that smile is very different than what it was, it was intended. Yes. In the smile, ah, she likes me. Some people who are all more insane, oh, she wants me. Some very, very stupid ideas. Yes. So, the way, I'm telling you, the way you deal with something like that the way you deal, you really have a passion against rape, Abi. You have a passion, yes. Now, there are those who will do some activism and point out cases like there's my friend, Chenemi, who is a pastor, by the way, but he goes into some of these places where rape victims, where rape is perpetrated, and they go and they bring those guys to book. And that's actually very, very good. Are you with me? But you see, if you just stay with that and that those communities, you do not look for how to bring ever, bring the gospel and discipleship into those communities and those pe people that are likely perpetrators, you don't find a way to, to actually bring them to Jesus Christ and train, disciple them in some cases, cast out demons from them. Because I hope you know that some demons take the form of rape. Yes. They, yes, they do in some cases. There are cases where a lady can carry a spirit of rape and it just keeps on attracting people who are, who are demonized with rape. And they just keep on making that connection. So she just keeps on getting raped wherever she's going. There are cases like that. And there are cases where a guy has so stayed on lost to the point that he has now given to those desires and a demonic spirit of has come upon him of lust and has led him to rape. So in some just cases, this person, this is the issue that the person is having. You need to cast the devils out. You need to teach the person the word. You need to help that person. Or if not, you're just, just telling the person, don't do it again. Eh, don't do it again. It's not enough. After all, there are some of you that are listening to me that have struggled with some addictions before. You knew that this is wrong. I've been there myself. You know this is wrong. You know this pornography is wrong. You know that thing is bad for you. You know. But you find yourself like a helpless captive being led, going back there again to watch it, going back there to do it again. Yes. So, 
it means you need if that is the case you need some form of freedom and that freedom will not just come because someone told you don't do it so if you go into all the world and make disciples who have one less murder on the streets who have one less rapist on the streets who have one less problem to society on the street. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.